We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 tonight, uh, verses 25 through 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. So last week, Carl preached on uh, Christ's teaching on treasuring the kingdom of heaven above all else. And I think very naturally, this next section goes into worry and anxiety and Christ's teaching on worry and anxiety. I think it's natural and it makes sense that this is where we go with the text. So what I would love to do is is, uh, is pray for us one more time and then read God's word. So let me pray again. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that we can trust it. Thank you that it instructs us and it shows us who you are. Would we receive it? Would we believe it? Would we be changed by it? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25 reading through verse 34. Christ says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They never sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is God's word. I must confess uh, a little bit of anxiety as I prepared to preach on this topic. (laughs) It's ironic. Uh, And yet, the the reason for it is it's a sensitive subject for many. for starters, anxiety is, is a complicated word. It's used in different ways. In Scripture, we see uh, Paul, his godly concern for churches being called anxiety, using the same word. Um, I read in, recently in Table Talk magazine that something close to 18% of Americans have been diagnosed with uh, what we would call clinical anxiety. Um, this word can mean many things, and, and there can be anxiety that has to do with our um, Physiology, it can be biomedical. However, in this text today, Christ is talking about a different kind of anxiety, an anxiety that's sinful. And that's the, that's the focus of this passage. This anxiety is driven by worldly concerns. 
It's a symptom of trusting ourselves more than trusting God. Trusting ourselves more than we trust the sovereign creator of this world to provide for ourselves. Another word for it would be worry. And I would argue that this sinful anxiety, this worldly worry, is something we all are tempted with and often fall prey to. In this text, Christ is calling us in a beautiful and comforting way to turn away from sinful anxiety to him and to the things that matter most. And that's what I want you to see tonight. Turn away from your anxiety by resting in the care of your heavenly Father and by seeking God's kingdom. Turn away from your anxiety by resting in the care of your heavenly Father and by seeking God's kingdom. So first, I think Christ makes it very clear that the way we turn away from this worldly worry, these these sinful anxieties that trust ourselves above God's provision is first by resting in the Father's care. He talks about food and clothing. He says, don't worry. In in verse 25, he starts, he says, Therefore I I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what uh, what you will put on. And then he says, is life not more than food, and the body more than clothing? At this point, it might be easy for us to say, well, I'm not worried about where my next meal is going to come from. I'm not worried about providing, I'm not worried about putting food on the table. We feel blessed, and we, we don't have those struggles. And so you might be asking, does this apply to me? And I would say, yes, Absolutely. We may, we may not wonder where our next meal is going to come from, but we do obsess over our finances. We obsess over the markets. We fret over what we'll look like. We worry about, worry about our grades. We worry about our kids' grades. We worry about our boss and what our coworkers think of us and our standing in the workplace. It's different, but it's the same. And you see, these, these things matter, but they shouldn't control us like they do. They're important but they shouldn't dictate our priorities like they so often do. They should not control us and call us, cause us to fret and worry. And so Christ gives the simple command in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, about your body, what you will put on. And then he says, look around, look at the birds, look at creation. He said, the birds do not do the hard, meticulous work of planting, growing, harvesting, and storing food. In other words, birds don't farm. They don't work in the office eight to five. They don't make monthly budgets in order to be able to go to the grocery store and put food on the table. And yet, God sovereignly cares for them. He provides food for them. And the argument is simple. You see, God cares for us infinitely more than he cares for the birds of the air. Psalm 8 tells us, it says that God has crowned us, has crowned man with glory and honor and put the rest of creation under our dominion. And the argument is simple. If God will care for the lesser, he'll care for the greater. If God will care for the birds of the air and provide the necessities for them to live, he'll do the same for you. And so it's fruitless to worry. It's fruitless to be controlled by anxiety. In verse 28 through 31, Christ makes a similar point. And I want us to stop and really consider this. 
Because I think this is what Christ calls us to in this passage. He says, consider the the flowers of the field. Consider the lilies of the field after asking, why are you anxious about what you're wearing? See, these flowers are literally burned as fuel for fire, like old newspaper. There's, there's, it's hard to have less value than something that's burned for fuel in the fire. And yet he says, God has bestowed such beauty upon these flowers, even more so than Solomon adorned in all of his beauty. Not even Solomon was arrayed like one of these flowers. How much more so then do you think God intends on providing us with clothing, as well as the beauty and dignity that as children of God, he intends to bestow upon us. You see, our Father cares for us. And knowing this, we ought to turn from our anxieties. Verse 27 says it plain and simple. And which of you, by being anxious, anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? We can work without worry. We can love without fear. We can serve without fretting because our Father cares for us. He truly does. You might be thinking at this point, this sounds really nice. The the idea of my heavenly father caring for me. It sounds really nice, but I just lost my job. But I just lost a loved one. Or I'm in significant debt. Or my marriage is falling apart. And all of this seems a little bit unrealistic. Like a pie in the sky theology. You see, what I want to say to you is I want to step back even from this passage to the whole story of the Bible. And I want to remind you that this is a God who provides for us in abundance. He provides for our necessities through creation. We see that in creation, but the story of the Bible tells us that he's also a God that sacrifices for us. You see, the world around us cries out that God provides through his abundance. The cross proclaims that he provides through sacrifice. Your Father cares for you. Not only does God lavishly bless us, but he actually suffered for us. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So turn away from anxiety and trust your heavenly Father. If this is hard, if this is challenging to let go of these sinful anxieties that weigh us down, that that plague our thoughts and our minds, I don't want you to be ashamed. I don't want you to feel defeated because believing that our Heavenly Father truly loves us and is truly for us and is truly good, that's one of the hardest things even in the Christian life. It's one of the frontline battles, I believe, in the Christian life to truly believe that God is good. And he's for us. It's a daily battle. So I don't want you to feel ashamed that that is a struggle for you. But I do want to encourage you very practically to rehearse the faithfulness of God in your daily life. Rehearse the faithfulness of God. Remind yourself over and over again how God has always been faithful to you. Even more practically, I hope you see the wisdom in God giving us one day in seven to stop from our, did I go off? I can use, if it's out, I can use the mic. Okay, is that good? Okay, great. 
Anyway, I hope you see that there is wisdom in God's design of one day in seven to stop, to cease from our labors, the things that bring us anxiety, the things that make us think, I have to do this or else I won't have food on the table. I won't be able to provide. There's wisdom in God saying, stop, worship, rest. And I hope you take that seriously. I hope if you can avoid working on Sunday, you will do so. It's a beautiful way to rehearse the faithfulness of God. Secondly, I think we're fooled often into thinking that fighting anxiety in this broken world looks like achieving some sort of like tranquility. Like we live on cloud nine all the time and we never, there's no pressure, no struggle. We're just above it all. And you see, I believe, and I think scripture will tell us that in this fallen world, <laughs> there's never a time when we're above the pressures and the brokenness of this world that so often can tempt us to anxiety. And so rather than thinking, in order to overcome anxiety, I must never feel pressure or never feel nervous or, or never sweat about anything, I'd like for you to think of it more of like bumper cars at the fair. Have y'all, have y'all ever ridden the bumper cars at, at the fair, at the Jackson Fair? I've done it once. I vaguely remember, but you go full steam at another person, and as soon as you hit, you bounce hard in another direction. Safely, of course. <laughs> you, see, you see, I feel like, or I believe that a lot of times the pressures and the worries and the anxieties of life can serve in this way. It can actually redirect us back to the God, to the Father, who's always been there for us, who always provides for us. You see, the pressures of life can actually redirect us to God. Our flutters of concern and the pressure of uncertainty can actually be invitations for prayer rather than causes for worry. I think this is the sense of 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. See, our Father really does care for us. And that's the first reason we should turn away from our anxieties. But secondly, I want you to see this scripture tells us that we turn away from our anxieties by seeking the kingdom of God. You know, sadly, our anxiety often reveals a lack of trust in our Heavenly Father. It also reveals, unfortunately, misplaced priorities and selfish ambition. You see, oftentimes we're so consumed with ourselves that we feel in control, we feel like we have to do it ourselves, and really we're living for ourselves. And along with that comes worry and anxiety and stress. We actually see this in verse 25. Christ asks, is life not more than food and clothing? This principle becomes more clear in verse 32. He says, or in verse 31, he says, Do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? And then in verse 32, he says, For the Gentiles, seek after these things. In other words, at the time, that was saying, These are things that people who do not, who do not believe in God strive after and are consumed by. You see, to obsess over acquiring material goods and to worry constantly over acquiring Acquiring material things is to live like someone who doesn't believe in God. Rather, we should keep what matters most at the forefront, which is loving and serving God 
for his glory. Verse 33 tells us plainly, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. That's what we were made for. That's what God saved us for, to glorify him, to serve him, to love him, to love our neighbors. These are the things we're made for. These are the things that are actually most complete, that we're most complete when we do. And so Christ calls us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it's amazing how things fall into their proper place when we do that. The word used for anxiety in this text can, can be understood to mean literally to be pulled apart. You may know that feeling, being pulled in different directions. When you're looking somebody in the eyes, having a conversation with them, but your mind is somewhere else. I've done that once or twice, I think. <laughs> I do that all the time. That, that's being pulled apart. That's being distracted from the task at hand by our anxiety. And Christ says in verse 34, he says very plainly and practically, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You see, anxiety distracts us. It pulls us away from the things that God has put right in front of our face. The jobs that we have to do, the people we're called to love, all the things we're called to do as Christians. Our anxiety pulls us away from that, distracts us, divides our, atten our attention. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, but only empties today of its strength. So turn away, turn away from your anxiety. Seek the kingdom. You know, there's a real misery in this world in, in chasing created things. And so often, even as Christians, we fall into this trap. We try to squeeze every drop of joy and happiness out of this life. And in doing so, we're left completely empty. I mean, it's telling how miserable the rich and famous are, is it not? And yet we fall into this trap. And something, something beautiful that actually um, an author uh, revealed or showed me when I was reading him is that in Job 38.7, a rather obscure passage, when God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind, he makes this statement. He says, when, essentially, when creation happened, when I laid the foundations of the earth, the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. You see, this world, the, the creation of this world began in joy. If you zoom forward all the way to Revelation, you see passages like Revelation 4 where Christians are worshiping God and hurling their, their crowns at the throne of God in jubilation, almost like you would see it at a graduation of like West Point where they just throw their hats in the air in joy and jubilation. You see joy, you see worship. And later on in Revelation, you see God literally wiping tears from the eyes of his people. You see, the story of the Christian's existence, the story of our faith, as Eugene Peterson says, our very existence, it begins and ends with joy. So my encouragement to all of us is don't waste your time trying to squeeze perfect joy out of this life. If you're a Christian, joy is your destiny. 
So don't waste your time trying to get it now. Stay focused. Seek God's kingdom and trust him with the rest. He knows what you need. This doesn't mean that we don't plan. This doesn't mean that we don't work. This doesn't mean that we never think, uh, we never employ forward thinking. It simply means that we turn away from this obsessive anxiety and we seek God's kingdom, seek the things that matter most. This can feel at times impossible, um, naturally, especially when life seems to threaten the things that we hold most dear. To really believe, Matthew 6, 33, that we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. At times, that can feel impossible, especially when life has taken something that we hold dear. And so I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about um, a basketball coach that I admire. I feel like I'm always telling stories about basketball coaches. But um, his name is Monty Williams. He's the coach of the Phoenix Suns. In 2014, his wife was driving in a car coming the other way, swerved into her lane, hit her head first, and killed her. Um, At a young age, he became a widower. Um, The eulogy address that he gave in front of thousands of people, you know, a day or so after this tragic event, is one of the best seven minutes you can spend your time on. And I would encourage you to go watch the whole thing. But I want to tell you some of the things that he said. Towards the end, he said, In my house, we have a sign that says, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we do not have a heart of forgiveness. He goes on to say, Let's not lose sight of what's important. God is important. What Christ did on the cross is important. Let's not lose sight of the other family that also lost somebody that they love. Let's keep what is important on the forefront. He said God is important. What Christ did on the cross is important. You see, I'm not telling you this story to say, just toughen up, be a better Christian when life gets hard. That's not the point of this. The point is simply this. I want you to see the reality of being a Christian. I want you to see what this coach, Monty Williams, what he understood in that moment. I want you to see what Colossians 3 tells us. That if you're a Christian, you have died and been risen with Christ. And Christ is your life. And Christ, when he returns, you will rise with him in glory. And this means that there are better things than the best things that this life can offer. You see, the best things in this life actually only point us to those better things. Things like the kingdom of God. Things like the grace of Jesus. The wonders of redeeming love. Christ in us. These are things which every Christian has and cannot ever lose for all of eternity. And that includes you, no matter what your circumstances are. So my encouragement to all of us tonight is this. Turn away from your anxiety. Turn to your king who loves you more than you could ever know. And live for him and live for his glory. Let's pray.
Father, we, we struggle to believe how trustworthy and good you truly are. But Father, you provide for us. Creation shows us your provision. The cross reveals the, the links you would go to call us your own. And so we can trust you. And moreover, we can live for you. We can leave behind our worldly worries, our sinful anxieties, the things that consume us that shouldn't. Father, that's all by your grace and all by your strength. We praise you for your mercy. We praise you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.